So I, I got a message I want to share with you today, and I hope this encourages you. I want to talk to you from this thought, running on empty, running on empty. Anybody else in here married to a person who constantly brings their car back to the house on empty? <laughs> I'm not going to say who it is in our house, but I have an electric car, so... But I think she takes it as a challenge, right? Anybody, anybody in the room, you see that like as a challenge, like the, the light comes on and you're just like, it hits zero and you're just like, how far can I go? <laughs> Second Kings chapter four, Second Kings chapter four, the Bible says this, it says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him and she shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one but he replied there is not a jar left then the oil stopped flowing she went and told the man of God and he said go sell the oil and pay your debts you and your sons can live on what is left are you thankful this morning that no matter how much you have lost in this life God never leaves you without something that he can use to do a miracle in your life. Thankful for that. Thankful for that. So Father, in Jesus' name, we give you honor for your word. We ask that you would speak to us clearly. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, whether we're in the room or we're watching online. Thank you for those who are tuning in today to hear what you have to say. And we believe, God, that you are going to speak to us your word doesn't just go out. Deuteronomy says your word does not return void. There's something you want to accomplish in every life this morning. I'm believing that it will be accomplished in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Have you ever in your life been confused about what is God's part and what is your part to play? Have you ever... Have you ever wondered, where do I stop and where, do, where does God begin? How far do I go with this? When do I stop praying about this? When do I give up on this? When do I move on to something else? When do I just sit and trust that God is going to move? And 
Is this my moment to do something or to make something happen? Or is God supposed to do this or am I supposed to do this? Anybody in the room ever been confused about what your part or your role is in this whole relationship? And I think this is what is happening in this situation. I think this woman has come to a point where her life is really falling apart. She's not only lost her husband and grieving his loss, but now because her husband left some debts unpaid, the creditors are coming and they are going to take her sons and her sons are going to have to work off that debt and she won't be able to see them and have a relationship with them and talk with them and communicate with them until they have paid off that debt. She'll, they'll be removed from her house and they will work as slaves for those creditors until that debt is paid off. So not only has she lost her husband, but she is facing the fact that she is now going to lose her sons. This is a very serious situation. And she comes to the prophet. I love that even though she's going through a crazy situation, she has enough sense to go to the right person. I'm telling you, so many of you are messing up right now because it's not that, that God doesn't have a solution for you. It's just you keep going to the wrong people. You keep going to the wrong source. You keep asking the wrong people for advice. And I, I just am hoping this morning that that you would start making up your mind that I'm going to go to the right place. That's why coming to church is such a good decision today. Because you could have been a whole lot of different places today. You could have even if you had a bad night. Even if you were a Roll Tide Bama fan. You know there's some of those unsaved people that go to Calvary Church. And, and even if you were one of them and you woke up this morning and you didn't feel like going to church. And you felt like your life was falling apart. Some of y'all even made up your mind and will go to the house of God. Aren't you thankful for Bama fans that made the decision. To come to church today. Wow. But she had, she had at least enough sense and she was in her right mind enough to go to the right person. And when she gets there, she starts to talk to him about who her husband was. He didn't need an explanation. He knew who her husband was. He was one of his mentees. He was in the school of prophets. He was being led by Elisha and, and he was one of his friends and he knew he had passed but here she comes and she wants to remind him that this was God's servant, this was your servant, he was working for you and I think sometimes we, we throw our service at God the same way. There is an assumption that just because we have done something for God, that God has to do something for us or that he owes us. Oh, man. And the prophet's like, what do you want me to do? What do you have? Whew. I like the answer to that question because that really flies in the face of our entitled culture that says everybody owes me something, right? He said, I, I don't know what you want me to do. What can I do for you? What do you have in your house? What are you minimizing? What are you overlooking? What are you underusing? What are you not using correctly? What do you have left? You are so focused on your losses and you come to me for a handout. I don't want to give you a handout. I want to give you a way to create a life for you and your sons that you live in the overflow of the blessing of God what do you have left? And in other words, this is one of the ways that God provides for us. Is 
the ability that he's already given us. The things that he's already given us access to. My destiny, your purpose is not tied up to someone or something that you don't have access to. And sometimes the answer to a prayer you've been praying is locked up in something you are overlooking, undervaluing, or not using correctly. And I want to say this to everybody in the room. Our spirituality does not exempt us from responsibility. I, I want to I, I say to, to some men in the room who maybe aren't thinking this way yet. And my, my family, they trip out every time I do this. I, I just left the country for a couple of weeks, and, and so I'm talking to my kids. I'm just making sure my will is in order. I'm talking to the leadership team, and I'm just going on a vacation. But I'm talking to the leadership team in case I don't come back. Here's the way things should go. I, I, this, is the, this is how I want... Uh, this is who I want to take the lead of the church, and this is how I want things to operate in my absence. And I'm taking care of all of these things because I understand more than just me getting up and preaching messages. I understand it's my responsibility to make sure that if I'm not here, things are okay. And I think sometimes we wait until we're old to think about all that stuff. So we don't save when we're young. We don't think about retirement when we're young. We don't think about insurance when we're young. We don't think about save. Come on, we don't think about, we don't think about storing up. We don't, we don't think about those things. And the Bible says that a good man doesn't just preach messages. But Proverbs 13 and 22 says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So in other words, this man, he was a prophet and he was very spiritual, but he was neglecting his personal responsibility. So don't use your spirituality as an excuse to overlook your family and your responsibility. Use those same skills that you have to serve your family. She's in this situation because he thought he was going to live a long time. Because he was a prophet. And I think sometimes there is an assumption that because we are children of God that we are exempt from short lives. From unexpected situations. From tragedy. And so when tragedy happens, it's like this can't be happening to us. My husband served God and my husband served you. He was a man of God. We shouldn't even be in this condition. Mm. Just some practical help there to let you know that sometimes life doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. And you have a responsibility to think beyond today. Okay. All right. And so she's grieving. She's grieving not only the loss of her husband, but the possibility of losing her children, unpaid debt that would be worked off by her children, grieving the past, overwhelmed by her future. She goes to the prophet. She's shocked that she's in this condition. She wants help from the prophet. But here's the, here's the key. She doesn't, she doesn't want a handout. She wants help. Because she's willing to listen to his instruction. It's amazing to me. It's really quiet in this place right now. It's, it's amazing to me. I'll kick the wobbly field goal here in a second. But it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how picky we can be when we are in need. 
how, how when we need help, we want help, but we want it on our terms. You, you'd be shocked. Uh, over the years, we, we, we used to have a, a food uh, pantry here at the church. And so there was a place where people could come and they could walk in and we would put a box of groceries together for them and they could leave with a box of groceries. Now we do it different. We have a voucher. They can go to a local grocery store just down the street and, and get some items that way. Just because we didn't have the refrigerators to keep up. Any, anyhow, but we were having food just go bad. And so, so anyhow, but when we used to have this pantry, we'd have people come in and be like, I need help help and then they would go to the pantry and be like I don't like this brand <laughs> have you ever noticed that we even when we are in desperate need we are still picky about the help I, I don't I don't know about I don't know about <laughs> I don't know about those fruity pebbles. I want the Kellogg's brand of fruity pebble. You know what I'm talking about? I don't like those Cheerios. I want the honey nut cheery O's. And sometimes what we, we, we want is, is not really help. We, we want a handout. We, we don't want help. We, we want somebody to come in and, and fix it and make it better and make it like it was. But sometimes it doesn't go back to the way it was. Sometimes you don't get to eat Honey Nut Cheerios anymore. Sometimes you got to... Sometimes you got to go from spaghetti to ramen. Remember one time someone came in and we gave them these groceries, and they looked at us and said, you ain't got no meat? I was like, wow, people can be very particular even when they need help. And sometimes, sometimes we miss the miracles that God wants to do because we're more interested in a prophecy than a plan. We want an immediate fix. To our immediate problem, we don't want a long-term solution. Okay. Y'all weren't ready for this kind of message when I came back. Were you? You weren't ready for this. So, so, whoa, all right. Whoa. Don't scare me, y'all. Like, I, I need help, but don't scare me. <laughs> Think about this for a second. She is used to her husband carrying out certain levels of responsibility. And, and when she goes to the prophet and she asks for help, I love this because he doesn't say, hey, you know what you need is you need to get another husband. What you need so that your life doesn't fall apart is you need to go find somebody real quick and get married so that they can take responsibility for that debt that you have. Because her answer isn't in a husband. Can I, even, can, can I even help you with your marriage just real quick? I'm, I don't pl- claim to be an expert, but I'm coming up on 25 years, and Monica has taught me a lot of things over the past 25 years. So 
I've been a student. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a great teacher, but I am a great student, okay? So, so one of the things that, that, that even happened just this past week, and, and I've, I've, I've never said this in our marriage. We've been married almost 25 years. November 1st will be 25 years of marriage. And, and I've never said this. But we were away, and we were at dinner, and she looks at me and she goes, she goes, you know, I just want to, I just want to thank you for, for taking me on this trip. This is a, this is a dream that I've always have always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to go here. And I just want to thank you for everything you, you do and how you provide. And I said, I said, I didn't do this by myself. You did this too. Like you did this. Even if I have been the, the, the person who makes more money, the only reason I have the ability to go out and make money is because you take care of things so I can work like this. So I didn't do this. We did this. Marriage is not about fixing your loneliness problem. Because if marriage is about you fixing your lonely issues, you will mismanage your marriage. I have so much I want to say today. And, and it's, okay, so when God brings Eve into Adam's life, let me, first of all, Adam is already operating in his purpose. Okay, he, he, he is working. And then in Genesis 2.18, when God says it's not good for Adam or man to be alone, God doesn't say, I'm going to create a Netflix and chill for him. God doesn't say, man, Adam, he lonely. He needs a booty call. Like, that is not. I need y'all to hear me this morning. Because some of y'all think that, that the marriage relationship was created to fix your loneliness or your sexual appetite. God said, I want to create for him a helper. Adam never prayed and said, God, I'm so lonely out here. No, God looked at all that Adam was trying to accomplish and said, it is not good that he tries to do this purpose alone. He needs a, That's why the Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight. Your wife isn't there to fix your daddy issues or your mommy issues or your lonely issues. Your wife is there to be your multiplier. Your spouse is there. To help you fulfill purpose, not to help you find it. And so no wonder God won't give you a spouse because you'd mismanage them. You just, want, you just want to stop being lonely. And unless your loneliness issues can be fixed by God himself, you will mismanage your spouse. Okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> so he doesn't go, hey, you know, <laughs> you realize we're living, this is not 2022. You need a man, girl. So go put yourself out there, go get on a dating website, go find somebody, or your sons are in trouble. Doesn't do that. He says, let me give you the ability to create a life of overflow 
for yourself. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? We live in a culture that's just like, man, these women need to, they need to find their place. They just need to stay in that kitchen and cook those meals and raise them babies. But when you lose your mind and you decide to leave her for some weird woman you met on Facebook and she's left out here trying to figure it out by just hoping some judge keeps her off of the street. So God says to this widow who doesn't have a husband, I'm not going to set you up so that your life depends on a man to come through for you ever again. I'm going to give you a business that's going to sustain you and your So I just I came to tell some some stay-at-home moms. Listen to me, there's a lot of stuff you're doing for free. That God wants to use those same skills to bless you. He says, what's in your house? She said, all I got is this oil. What was she doing with the oil? She was cooking with it. She didn't know how to use it any other way. But God wants to take the thing that you've been giving away for free and making meals and feeding others with and use it to feed you. Oh, man. So I want to ha- help you today because I think so many of us are sitting back and there's this like, there's this like dilemma we have where it's like, God, what do I do and what what do you do and what do and God's like I think you're missing something I think you're overlooking something anybody in the room got lack anybody in the room feel like you don't have enough anybody in the room feel like you need help anybody in the room feel like you're desperate. Anybody in the room feel like you are at your wit's end? God is trying to say to you, it's not going to come in a cloud that falls from the sky. I need you to look around and take inventory of what you have within your reach because that's what I'm going to use to change your life. Miracles very often begin with something we are overlooking. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses says, God, what if they don't believe me? God looks at him and says, what's in your hand? In 1 Kings 17 and 3, another woman who is in a desperate situation, she finds herself in the middle of a famine, and the prophet comes to her, and he's like, hey, make me some cake. And she's like, I don't have enough cake to feed me and my son. All I've got is a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. In Matthew 14 and 17, the Bible says Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, the people are hungry, give them something to eat. And they're like, all we have is these couple pieces of fish and some bread. Like we don't have a lot. Samson in Judges chapter 15 walks by and he's being chased by a thousand men and he sees the jawbone of a donkey on the ground and he uses it to kill a thousand men. In Luke chapter 8 verse 43, a woman with an issue of blood has spent all the money she has on doctors and treatment and none of it has worked. It's not working. And I think... What I came today to tell you is maybe you look at running on empty as a bad thing. Maybe running on empty is where God actually wants you. Maybe some of you aren't experiencing the miraculous because you're not empty enough. What is the instruction that the prophet gives her? He says, I want you to go find some jars. And I need, what's the prerequisite for them to be used? They need to be Empty. 
And some of us aren't, we don't have the capacity for what God wants to do because we are too full. We don't have time for a move of God. We barely have time for family dinners anymore. We got kids playing 32 different sports and 32 different seasons. We don't have time for a move of God. We can barely get out to church twice a month. I came to talk to somebody today who's like, God, I need you to do something. God's like, what do you have left? God, I need you to fill me up. And God's like, I want to fill you up, but there's no space in your heart for me. There's no room in your life for me. I can't move in your life because you've got no room for me to move. We don't really want what a move of God requires. In our day, when I, when I, when I kind of look at what's happening in our day, is, is, is we have an excess of all of the things our parents and grandparents didn't have and a deficit of all of the things that they had that really made the difference. They didn't have cell phones like we have cell phones. They didn't have jobs like we have jobs. They didn't have schedules like we have schedules. They didn't have 13 different opportunities for their kids to play the same sport in the same year. But we got all of that. We're spiritually bankrupt. We're spiritually dead. And we can't. We can't look at God and blame God anymore for the condition of our lives. God is like, I've put around you everything that you need. You're not missing anything. You're not short anything today. And and I know there are some people in this room today and you are in desperate situations and God would even look at you and say, you're not missing anything. You're not waiting for anyone to come. And and even if you're in the condition where you need a savior today, you're, you're not waiting for a savior to come. Your savior has already come What you need is already within your grasp. Moses, what is in your hand? And I think for some of us, God is just waiting for us to get empty. Maybe that's what the past couple years have been about. But here we are, so desperate to get back to the normal that we hated and was killing us and consuming our lives and destroying our mental health. Man, I want to get back to what? What? Busy? Overwhelmed? No, no, no. What we want to get back to is entertained. Oh, man. What we want to get back to is distracted. What we want to get back to is opportunities. Oh. God's best is experienced from places of emptiness. He he says, I need empty jars. I love it because he doesn't qualify the jars any other way. He's like, these need to be empty. What kind? Doesn't matter. What color? Doesn't matter. What size? Doesn't matter. Oh, where do they need to come from? What material do they need to be made of? None of that matters. New, old, doesn't matter. Tall, small, doesn't matter. This color, that color, doesn't matter. Anybody in the room just thankful that God doesn't care 
what the jar looks like. He just wants it empty. I'm not concerned about what the jar looks like, where the jar came from, what are the qualifications of the jar to hold the oil. I just need empty jars. Wow. The only thing that was required was emptiness. Reminds me of when Jesus left the earth and he was telling his disciples before he left, he said, I got to go. Because if I don't go, he, the Holy Spirit, can't come. Because you won't be able to see him if you still see me. So sometimes I need to take something from you so that I can give something better to you. And we get so obsessed with what leaves our lives that we don't take advantage of the opportunity that God is trying to pour into our lives something that is more impactful, something that makes a difference, something that is more dynamic Jesus is like I've got to go because if I don't go and and he comes then you won't be able to receive him because you still see me all through the Bible God is attracted to empty All through the Bible. There's a story where in 2 Kings chapter 3 where the people of God need a miracle. And God tells them, he's like, okay, dig ditches. It's amazing, isn't it, how so many of the miraculous things that God does for us come with instruction. Open my blinded eyes. Okay. Spits in the dirt puts it on the man's eyes, and he says, now go wash. There's an instruction. There's some level of, like, God saying, there's something that you have to do in this, not because I need you to do it, but because you need to do it. Because if all I do for you is just drop manna out of heaven for the rest of your life, you'll never know how to work the ground so that you can eat from the fruit of that tree. And can I tell you, the fruit that comes from the seed planted in the ground is better than the manna that comes from the sky. Some of us are like, I want, a, I want a life of miracles. Oh man, but what if you already have one and you just are overlooking it? It's like I said before, there are a lot of people in this room, if they were really honest about their life, they would just look at it and go, you know what? I should not even... Be here. I, my life is an absolute miracle. The fact that I can think straight is an absolute miracle. The fact that I haven't taken my life is an absolute miracle. The fact that I'm not in a gutter somewhere with a needle in my arm is an absolute miracle. The fact that I'm not falling off of a bar stool somewhere is an absolute miracle. And it's like God brings us through all of these miracles and then we just live this life like, where are the miracles? And God's like, you are a miracle. You are my greatest testimony. There's no greater miracle than me changing your life. 
no greater. God, I, I, need you, I need you to move my finances. I need you to move. God's like, what do you have left? And I don't have anything. I, I got, I, I, I don't, like technically nothing, God. My bank account says negative. Like there's nothing in there. Maybe there's a skill that you have that you're overlooking, undervaluing. We're going to talk about this a little bit next week. But the Bible says about David, it says that he, he led them not just by his character. The Bible says that he led them with the skill of his hand. The Bible teaches us that it is God who gives us the ability to get wealth. Maybe there is some ability that is in your life that you are underappreciating, undervaluing, over looking and if you will allow God to use it he can take that thing that listen that jar of oil that she had was just a container until she started to use it and then when she started to use it it became the place of supply not just the place to hold but now it's the place of supply and for some of us we are holding on to things that are actually intended not to be hoarded but to be given and they will not become a place of supply until they are given. That's why that's why uh, that's why when I talk to you about giving, I don't talk to you from the from the aspect of like, hey, you know, if you don't give, we're going to have these lights turned off. You know, my God, if you don't give, we're not going to be able to finish this project. No, because. Before we start a project, we sit down and count the cost and make sure that we can do the project without ever having to ask you for extra. And so, so when I talk to you about giving, I'm not trying to get you to give so we can pay the bills. I'm talking to you about giving and generosity, not because it's going to help me, but because it's designed to help you. I don't need you to give this morning so that I can get a raise at the end of the year. I don't need you to give this morning so that we can finish this project. I need you to give because what you're holding on to actually is intended to be the source in your life. That thing that you will not let go of. God's like, if you'll just let go of it and pour it out, I'll start to pour in. And that thing that you thought was just containing and holding your resources will actually become the place that your resources stop running dry and you stop running out and you stop running short and life stops feeling like you're putting your money in a pocket with holes in it. Some of us are holding on to stuff, not just money, but our gifts. Our ability. What if for some of you, God beginning to release more oil into your life is connected to you releasing that gift of serving You just, I, I got to hold on to it. But it's, it was not meant to just be a pot that sits in a corner so that you could make a meal every now and then. It was intended to be a place of giving and generosity so that God could fill up other empty vessels. Uh. And so the Bible says she does it. 
see, here's the thing. If you're not willing to look a little bit silly for God, you might not be experiencing the best that God has for your life. Yeah, every, everywhere God did something amazing, somebody did something silly. Really, they just did. It's like, it's like we just talked about the woman with the issue of blood. She's like, by law, she wasn't supposed to leave her house. She just climbed out of her house, and she did it anyway. Uh, in instance, this story, she's like, she's like already in debt. And God's like, go borrow. Okay. I can't pay anybody back right now. And you're asking me to go borrow more. And he's like, yeah, go borrow more. And then what I want you to do is, is I want you to, to go into your room and shut the door. You know, you know, God, like, this looks really weird. Looks really weird. What if all of a sudden God asked you to do this? Are, are you... Do you trust God enough to go borrow some jars from your neighbors and then go take them into your bedroom and shut your door? I mean, just think about it. Just think about what they'll say about me on Twitter. Just think about what they'll post on Instagram. Just think about what they'll say about me on Facebook. But I'm telling you, if you want to live in the best that God has to offer, sometimes you've got to do some stuff that seems crazy to the rest of the world. We're in, a, we're in a drought. Dig ditches. For what? Build an ark. For rain. What's rain? If you're not willing to look a little bit silly for God, you will not experience the best that God has to offer. David, David was so desperate to have the presence of God back into the city of God. And the Bible says that as he's, as he's bringing it in, he's dancing and he's dancing so hard that his outer garment falls off and he gets home and his wife is like, why are you acting like a fool? And he looks at her and says, you haven't even seen the start of it yet. I'm about to get super weird. And I think there needs to be this spirit rise back up in the American church that's so, so obsessed with how we look to the world. And we want to look put together. And we want to look like we're just like one of them. But we are not like one of them. We are, <laughs> we are a peculiar people. So let's start being peculiar. We can't, we can't look like the world, act like the world, and change the world. Some of us, God has given you some, some ideas and some things, and you're just like, ah, I don't know about that. Hey, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to go out there, and I want you to march around these walls. What are we going to, what are we going to, are we going to like throw arrows over the walls while we're marching? No, I just want you to stay totally quiet and just walk around them. Okay. And then what? What are we going to do at the end? Are we going to crash the gates down? No, you're just going to scream really loud. <laughs> I'm just telling you, sometimes miraculous moments happen because of some ridiculous God instruction. Whew. So he says to him, he says, so you take those jars and you go in that room and you shut the door. And some of you, I need, I need you to hear me this morning. It's time for you to shut the door on that season of your life. It's time for you to shut the door. That's over. 
I know weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's over. Not that you won't have moments where you cry or moments where you think about it and you don't grieve, but that is over. And it's, it's as if God is saying, I can close the door on something, but if you don't, it makes no difference. It's an amazing thing that God has, because of what Jesus has done, has closed the door on our past, and he never brings it up, but we constantly do. And God's like, I need you to close the door on the things that I have closed the door on. He comes to Samuel, and he's like, how long are you going to weep? Why, why are you still crying about Saul? You need to close the door on that season of your life. And then the Bible says she starts pouring it out. And as she pours it out, it just keeps flowing. It just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. And then she's like, and she's like, bring me another jar. They bring me, bring me another jar. And then she's like, bring me another jar. And they're like, we've got no more jars. I think, I think one of the things that's really damaging in, in Christian culture is a is when we is when we take things that the the world came up with and then we try to bring them into the kingdom and somehow redeem redeem them for instance there's this big move even in church culture this word just this this combination of words Self-care. And, and what I really see in it, some of it I understand, and, and, I, and I, I, see what, I see kind of what's the intention, but what I, how I see it working itself out is, is not good. It's more like selfish care. We have a, we have a, we have a culture that's obsessed with self. And here we are in this culture that's obsessed with self. It becomes an excuse for us to serve ourselves at the expense of others. And every experience I've ever had with serving me, it was both exhausting and disappointing. Because myself can never be satisfied. And what I see it becoming also, self-care is becoming a excuse for a lack of responsibility. So it's like, I'm tired of taking care of my family. I'm tired of, of taking care of my responsibilities. I'm tired of being tired of being a man. I'm tired of being a woman. I'm tired of being, I'm tired of being this or that. I'm tired of being the breadwinner. I'm tired of t- I'm tired of I'm tired of all the pressure. I'm tired of all this. And so what it becomes is procrastination that sucks the life out of you and then makes you use self-care as an excuse to continue procrastinating. And putting things off. Because I need some me time. <laughs> That's what Paul said about 
Christianity. He said, you know what? If you're really struggling, what you really need is some me time. No, the Bible said your, your problem with your self-esteem is that you're not valuing others above yourself. Your problem with how you see you is that you don't see others correctly. <laughs> and so you, it, your, your issue is not self-care. Your issue is selfish care. And if you would become more concerned with the needs of others, if you would become concerned with pouring it out rather than consuming Ah, man, we live in a a culture that loves to consume but doesn't love to pour it out. And the kingdom of God is contrary. It's contradictory to the the way the world does things. The way the world sees is like, take care of you. Make sure you're good. No, the Bible teaches us that we sacrifice ourselves so that others can have. Oh, I can tell by what, how quiet it is in this room this morning that that's not a very popular thought, but that's your Bible. And what's happening in our world is we have a culture that's obsessed with self and everybody else is suffering because at least I'm good. It's like that was not the intention of Jesus. Jesus could have stayed in heaven and protected himself and kept himself isolated from all of us for the rest of eternity. But because he he put himself in harm's way, we live. And we have to get back to to a Christianity that teaches what the Bible teaches about sacrifice. Living not for self, but for others. Paul said, I'm going to pour my life out for you. Even if you take advantage of me, even if you don't love me properly, I'm not doing this so you'll love me properly. I'm not doing this so I'll get something in return. I'm not doing this so that, so that, so that I feel, you know, good emotionally. I'm doing this because my life is bigger than just fulfilling my needs. I am here to make sure that God uses me to be a place, to be a resource so that the the oil can be poured out, not just in my jars but in the jars of my neighbors so I I, 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 I'm afraid if we're not careful listen yeah have you a spa day please get counseling please but stop using self care as an excuse to escape your responsibilities We have a responsibility as a child of God to give up of ourselves for others. 